studied the Bible, that the Bible is a, uh, tells me what to do, but my flesh don't like it. Amen. You know, I, I, I just look at it sometimes and I say, God, is that really what you want me to do? But you know, the problem is, uh, that's what he wants me to do. And so I need to do it. Now, in this passage of scripture, Ephesians 6, 16, uh, there's a verse, a verse of scripture. I'm just going to take that verse of scripture and deal with that subject here tonight, the shield of faith. And you need to pay attention and listen and maybe listen to the message two or three times because every time I listen to a message, uh, it helps me. And I learn more. I don't learn it all one time. Now, I, I'm not as quick a learner as some people are. But whenever I'm studying, I learn pretty good. But I found out as I get older, my mind doesn't remember like it used to. I used to preach without notes. I just opened the Bible and I had a maybe maybe a little outline and preached for 40 minutes without notes, quoting all kinds of scripture, going all kinds of scripture. I still do that some, but I pretty well write stuff down now where I can stay where I'm at. Uh, I never was one to run a bunch of rabbits. If I ran a rabbit, I caught it and skinned it and showed it to you, okay? But uh, I was never one that ran a bunch of rabbits. I just, I, I had my mind made up and going up. Now, there's been times that I've gone to the pulpit and I didn't know what I was going to preach until I got in the pulpit. But when you start, so when you're studying and you're studying the Word of God, uh, you don't have to be uh, anxious about it. You just have to wait on God. And I learned the first time that it happened to me, I, I like to go into a panic attack because uh, I never, I never had that happen before. You know, I, I'm, I'm preaching and I'm preaching through a series, a series through a book, and uh, I couldn't preach what I was supposed to preach. I thought that day, that night, and I, I'm just standing there and I'm, I'm praying. And actually, I was sitting in, uh, on the platform and my chair on the platform. The song starts going on. The Holy Spirit says, "You can't preach that." And I'm, I'm, I'm just about to panic. Well, what am I supposed to preach? And then all of a sudden, it just clicked in my mind. And uh, I said, Lord, I've never preached out of that passage of Scripture. And I learned to preach that night extemporaneously. Now, that means that you just take a text and uh, you outline that as you're preaching uh, without notes or anything else. And so it worked. But I found out that you can't do that unless you're studying. Unless you put stuff in your mind and your heart and you're constantly doing it. And you can't do that unless the Holy Spirit did it. And so you have to understand it. Now, uh, let's stand and read this one verse, Ephesians 6, uh, 16. He says, uh, in this passage of Scripture, now I want you to understand that this is the end of a sentence. Let's go back and uh, let's go back to verse 14 read the whole sentence. I want you to notice here, he says, uh, verse 14 down through verse 16, and it ends, it's a whole sentence. Those three, three uh, verses are one sentence. And you need to understand, when you find a sentence in the Bible, it has one major subject. And what's the major subject? I want you to understand what he said. Here's the uh, here's this, uh, subject. Stand, therefore. That's the subject. Be faithful. Stand, therefore. Having your loins girt about with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. Now he's saying that unless you do these things that he's telling you to do here, you cannot stand. You'll crumble among the low. It'll get too much for you. Uh, you'll have things happen in your life that you don't know is going to happen. It's all, all of a sudden it'll happen. And when things happen like that, uh, you better be prepared to walk with God in faith. And you better be prepared with that shield of faith. And so we're going to deal with that tonight. Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you will guide us here tonight and give me wisdom about what to say, what not to say. Let me just say what you want me to say and what I I, I'm come to you now knowing that I have nothing for these people, but you have everything. So help me, Father, and speak through me. I submit myself to you the best way I know how. And I ask that you overshadow my frailties and the Holy Spirit might take over and preach this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now what is, it says, uh, the fiery dark quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. If ye above all take in the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the week. Now, why would a fire dart get through? Why would all of a sudden you have some things that just hit you like a dart? You know, that just all of a sudden. Well, it's, it's very simple. There's two reasons. Number one, number one, you have dropped your shield. Amen. Or number two, God has removed the shield so that he's getting ready to teach you something. That's, that's a simple answer right there. You either drop your shield, you get out of fellowship with God and drop your shield. Every time you're out of fellowship with God, you've dropped your shield. But sometimes maybe you've got your shield up, walking with God and doing what's right and everything going on, and you're just, just walking and doing what needs to be done. And all of a sudden, that dark comes. When my daughter got killed, uh, we was out in, in uh, Elrena, Oklahoma. I was preaching for my son, Steve. We had a wonderful service that night. And my baby son, his wife, was out there singing. And we are just having a great time. And we had two men saved. Two grown men saved. I mean, it was just a wonderful, <coughs> wonderful service. And I had... Uh, Preached uh, that morning, taught Sunday school that morning, preached that morning, preached that afternoon. We had dinner at church and preached that like y'all had here that uh, Sunday. Well, I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, out because it, the pressure of, of preaching sometimes, you don't understand what the pressure of preaching uh, is and how it just drains you sometimes. And I went back to the, uh, some of the people were still around there, and I went back to the, room there, me and my wife did, and I said, I'm going to lay down and take a nap. And I just got laid down and a phone rang. It rang in the, the church phone, and it rang in the property chamber. She said, why don't you answer that? I said, let somebody answer that. I don't answer Well, just a few minutes, two or three minutes, somebody knocked on the door and said, uh, Brother Lucy, your son-in-law wants to talk to you. And uh, Vance Curtis, he's my associate, and I said, okay, <coughs> And so I, I got on the phone. I said, son, what happened? What's going? I said, son, what's going on? He said, Dad, Sandra got killed this afternoon about 1.30. And said, uh, uh, it happened in a train wreck, 1.30. But I'm, I'm in shock. And, and I said something that was uh, in, in shock. I said, you've got to be kidding. He said, Dad, I wouldn't kid about something like this. I said, I know you wouldn't, son. I said, I'm sorry about that. But I said, it's such a shock. I was right with God. I was walking with God. I was in fellowship with God. I mean, I do that, and that dark. And so now, I've got to figure out what God's doing. You see, God taught me some wonderful things out of that. You see, when that dark comes in, and you're walking with God, He's getting ready to teach you some things, so don't panic. Just let God start working. And trust him in the storm. Now, if you're out of fellowship with God, that dark hits you, you're about to, you're about to just go to pieces. 
You know how you can tell when you're out of fellowship with God and a guard hits you? You go to pieces. You go to pieces. I was sitting in the room and my mama was, uh, had had a stroke, my, mom, my wife. We always called her mama, and she had a stroke, and I called her Katie's baby. But she had a stroke, and uh, I was—I had spent the night up there. I had a bed in that room, and I, let, I stayed. Just bought my clothes, and I stayed with her. And so she, uh, the nurses in there kind of trying to change your clothes and stuff, you know, change your bed, help her. And she had a puzzled look on her face. And... Her left arm and all was under the cover. And this nurse said, uh, Miss Hooksy, what's wrong? She said, you look puzzled. And she said, just like a little child, I've lost my hand. I can't find my hand. She couldn't feel her hand. And buddy, I'm telling you what it hit me. I mean, I got up out of there and walked out of that room. I didn't say a word. I didn't tell her goodbye. I, I couldn't say anything. I'm, 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 I'm crying and walking down that hallway, tears running down my cheek and getting my car and crying, going home. That's the only time in my life that I wanted to run away. I wanted to just leave and leave the pressure. But I knew that wasn't right. I knew I couldn't do that. So I go to the house. About five minutes away, sit down in my big chair, and I don't open my Bible. I'm just sitting there. I'm talking to the Lord all the way, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm sitting down there in that chair, and I said, Lord, I've never had a, I've never had a panic attack in my life. First one I ever had. And, and I said, Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong, Lord? And the Holy Spirit gave me the scripture. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. He said, you're looking at the circumstances and you're not looking at me. And I sat there in that chair and wept and confessed, got right, got up and went over to the hospital and went back my bed. <coughs> but that was a shock to me. Whenever Sandra got killed, it wasn't near as a shock as it was when Mama said, I keep finding my hand. I've lost my hand. Just like a little girl. And so I realized that I was looking at the circumstances. The problem. You never do that, do you? You never have that problem, do you? You're in fellowship all the time, aren't you? Huh? No. That'll happen to you sometimes. Now just right. understand this. Don't run. Right. Don't run away. Run to that book. Right. And run to him who died for us on the cross of God. Now the word dart means a spear or a lance. A pointed missile. A weapon to be thrown by the hand. A short lance. A missile weapon, that which pierces and wounds. To throw a pointed instrument with a sudden thrust. As to dart a javelin. To throw suddenly or rapidly. To send, to, to emit, to shoot. And did you understand what those mean? mean? It means a sudden, quick, sharp instrument. Wound you. So you're in this spiritual warfare and you're going to have darts thrown at you. You're going to have things said to you. You're going to have people that will say bad things towards you. And all of this. It's going to happen some, and, and with people you don't you, you don't even think that they're ever going to say something like that. And it's going to wound you if it gets through. But what you have to do 
You have to get that shield. Now I want you to think about here the importance of the shield of faith. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Think about the phrase, above all. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You understand that? Don't make it in what you do if you don't do it in faith and through faith and by faith and with faith. It will not please God. Hebrews 11, 6. Look over there. I'm going to give you time. Hebrews 11, 6. Now you need to understand that the very problem that we face in our life is always the cause of faith. The lack of it, the lack of it. Now, I want you to understand that faith, that faith, dearly beloved, is not something you can conjure up. It's not something you can pray down. It is a gift of God. And Jesus said that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So he says, but without faith, in Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That phrase that he is means that he exists, that he is who he says he is, that he is a person, that he is God. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you come to him, you've got to know who he is. Believe that he is. He exists. And he's who he says he is. So number two, faith is the instrument of our salvation. Now, Faith and grace have to be married together. Ephesians 2 8. They have to be married together. You cannot be saved without grace. You're saved by grace. According to Ephesians 2 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. The gift of God. Not of works, let any man should That's mine. And I, and I want you to understand. I want you to understand that you are not saved by faith. You're saved by grace. Yes, sir. Through faith. Amen? Yes, sir. Grace is what saves you. Faith is what activates grace. Amen. It's like epoxy glue. You have two elements. They don't work <coughs> without the other. You put that part to the glue together and you put it on whatever you want to. When I make knives, sometimes I do it with epoxy glue. And when I put it together, you better make sure you get that thing where you want it quick. Because <laughs> so when she's set up, she's not going to move. And so you understand this. You've got grace. It's for by grace. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of grace. He is full of grace and truth. And grace comes by him. And so whenever you believe who or what he is, and believe that he is God, and believe that he exists, and believe what the Bible says about him, and you trust him, he'll, he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's given you enough faith to believe. And when you put it together, you're born again. You get born again, and you're going to get to go to heaven. And man, it's going to be a wonderful thing to get to heaven. So faith is the instrument of our Salvation. Then see under this, three or whatever you want to call it, faith is important for our spiritual growth and well-being. You cannot grow spiritually without faith. Colossians 2, 6. Go there, I want you to look at this verse. You cannot grow spiritually without faith. I don't care how much scripture you memorize. I don't care how much scripture you know. I don't care how, how nice you are. I don't have, care how what a good personality you have. You cannot grow and have spiritual growth without faith. Look what he says in Colossians 2 6. 
As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Question. Question. Brother, you there? I'm glad you got back here tonight. I missed you last night. Let me ask you this. How did you get, what was the instrument of your salvation? As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How did you receive him? You received him by faith, didn't you? Or through faith and in faith. Is that right? He said, so walk ye in him. Colossians 2, 6. He says, uh, I mean, two, yeah, he said, now what you've got to understand is that he is going to train you <coughs> in faith, through faith, and by faith. And he's going to put you in a position where you have to trust him. And he'll do it time and time again. Above all. So, above all, he says, taking the shield of faith. That's the most important thing you can do. After salvation. Everything else is immaterial unless you've got that. Now, let us look at the shield of faith as our instrument of protection. <coughs> as our instrument of protection. We talked about this business of it, the, it's the, importance of, the importance of the shield of faith. Now, our instrument of protection. You want to be protected? You know, I tell you where the pastor lives, he can't even find his front, his key for his house. He's got that dog out there to keep it happy, you know, keep it guarded. And I asked him, I said, you got a key to this room I'm standing? He said, I don't know where it's at. <laughs> you know, where I'm at, I lock everything. I lock cars, I lock everything. Now, you say, why do you do that? Because we got some bad, stupid people down there. Got drug addicts around close by us. Got somebody selling dope right across the way there. And uh, we're trying to get that all cleared up. And they've already arrested some and, and everything. And we got the police over there all the time. And, and we are trying to do that. And we're trying to buy that piece of property where they, we can get them out of there. And what's that there? One night I'm sitting in the house. It's about 9 o'clock. And somebody starts banging on my door, screaming, let me in, let me in, let me in. I mean, he's hollering and screaming and cursing and everything else. Text my son, I called him, I said, son, I said, somebody, there's a door over here going crazy. I don't know what's wrong with him. He'll be right there, Daddy. He's a police officer. And uh, he... And I put my pistol in my side where he couldn't see me. I know where I'm at. I know I'm in Canada, okay, but I got a pistol, okay. <laughs> and so I opened the door, and he's standing there just wild-eyed. He's on dope, and I don't know what all he's on. And he said, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And I said, I pushed him out. He tried to come in the house, and I pushed him back on the door. And I said, the preacher's coming over here now. And he said, the preacher, is he coming here? By the time Lee come around the corner by House and he took off running, screaming, running. I mean, man, this guy's running. And me and Lee, he, uh, Lee went around that way. I went around the other way, the church there. And the time we got around there, he was uh, uh, 75 yards across the highway down the, that road, down another road, just screaming, screaming. I mean, he, he ran out of sight, screaming. I said, who was that? He said, I don't know. <laughs> well, about six months later, five months later, this guy came to church and I looked at him and I thought, man, he said, uh, you remember me? And I said, yeah, I remember you, but I can't place you. He said, I was the fellow come knocked on your door. I said, I was drunk out of my head and on dope. I said, how are you now? <laughs> he said, I'm safe. Amen. And I said, okay. So he got to church and he got in and he went off up to uh, he went off up to Wisconsin. He's there for about a year or so in our church and 
and doing well. He went off to, up to Wisconsin. I don't know if he got back on dope again. I, I don't know whether he committed suicide or, or somebody, he run over somebody or somebody run over him, but he got killed. And so anyway, but I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. You never, you'll never know what's going to happen sometime. And you got people that's crazy. I like my doors. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. The shield of faith is our protection in this spiritual warfare. Now, we get attacked physically a lot of times, but it's called for faith, spiritual attack. Psalm 17, 8, and 9. 17, 8, and 9. Psalm 17, 8, and 9. Now, we're talking about the shield of faith is our instrument of protection. It's our protection in this spiritual warfare. Psalm 17, 8, and 9 says, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wing. From the wicked that oppress me. For my from my deadly enemies who compass me about. From my deadly enemies who compass me about. He said, hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me from thy daily enemies who compass me about. The Lord is my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Though Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Then the Lord personally commands us to take up the shield of faith. Now, I want you to notice what he said. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith. So you've got to be actively taking up that shield. You've got to be involved with it. You can't do it by osmosis. You can't just sit down and say, well, I reckon I'm going to You got to study this book. You got to pray. You got to get a hold of God. You got to let God get a hold of you. You got to work at it. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing. And what? Hearing by the word of God. Amen. Now, it doesn't say faith comes by hearing the word of God. It says, faith cometh by hearing. Go look at that passage of scripture, Romans uh, 10, 7. I want you to look at this now. Some people mess this all up. Let's read what he says, okay? You don't get faith by reading the Bible. What it says, so then faith cometh by hearing. By hearing. Come here, buddy. Come here. This is a knife. You know that? It'll cut. That Bible is a sharp, two-edged sword. That word of God is. Piercing evil, dividing its under soul and spirit, Johnson Mara is discerned of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He says, faith comes by hearing. You've got to hear the word of God and let the word of God work your life and you've got to believe it. But he tells us he takes that faith that faith goes into that ear and cuts it and cuts that inner ear and opens it up where you can hear. And so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word of God opens you up where you can hear. Why sometimes you come to church and you don't hear because you're not in fellowship with God. Amen. And once in a while I get to church and and I, man, I mean, I just feel the pressure and I feel people uh, uh, spitting the word of God out and not taking it. I mean, one time I was in the church and we had this bunch of Pharisees and Pharisaical folks there. I mean, you can tell they just, you know, they were so, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. Amen. <laughs> all that kind of stuff is all what they did. 
but what Jesus has done. Listen to me carefully. What you do does not make you spiritual. What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary saves you, and you have to have faith in him, and that uh, living by faith, and let God work inside of you, and what you are inside makes you spiritual or not. I stopped in the middle of the sermon. I said, some of you folks in here are a bunch of Pharisees. I said, y'all are spitting the word of God out. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. You don't want to preach to me. Some of you are so upset you probably won't ever be back. And I said, the reason you won't be back is either you're lost and going to hell or you're a self-righteous Pharisee. And I said, you, what some of y'all need to do is go out and get drunk so you'll have something to repent of. Amen. <laughs> I mean, they then went in shock, you know. Oh, no. I said, hey, I'd rather find a fella get drunk and repent and I have to sit in church and think he's all right and, and act like he's a somebody. I don't want you to know that you're nobody. Amen. I just walked, I, I was younger then. And I walked around a lot. And I got to walking out and I walked up to this fella. And he was one that I, I seen him just bow up on everything. I walked up to him and I said, are you saved? He said, uh, well, 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 yeah. I said, tell me how you got saved. He said, well, I, I've uh, always been in the Baptist church. I said, is that right? Yes, sir, I came up through the cradle road. I said, when did, it, when did you come to the point knowing that you was lost? And a dirty, rotten, wicked, hell-bound sinner and an enemy of God. He said, I've never been that. I said, you're going to hell. I'm standing that far from him. I said, you're going to hell. You've never been born again. You must be lost before you get born again. He said, I never heard that. I said, let me give you some Bible. Jesus said, the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He said uh, said he came as a physician to the sick, said the well don't need a physician. You don't think you need God. So you're going to hell. And a woman standing over this way said, oh my God! And came down to altar. I said, well, might as well give an invitation. <laughs> so the rest of y'all need to do this woman's going to go get saved. And, and uh, the pastor's wife was dealing with her. And I said, some rest of that fellow just trouble. He said, nobody ever talked to me like that. Nobody ever told me about that like that. Nobody ever made me understand. I said, you're going to hell, aren't you? Yes, but I want to. Get on this altar. Anybody else want to get saved? And uh, two or three got up and came down to altar. I mean, prophet, churchman. <coughs> and I said, some of y'all are in shock. I'm not preaching anymore tonight. Here's the invitation. I told them. I think we had six people say, all of them prominent churchmen. And one night, we had three or four saved after that, all prominent church members. Well, the time to end the meeting, now I'm like, you get around and start preaching, and they start shouting. You know what I said? They got saved. They praised God. It shattered once in a while. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? Huh? Some of y'all never shouted. You've been in a mess down in my church and the church I passed in Slide Hill. I didn't church I passed very long. My baby girl was down up singing that song, The Fields of White on the Harvest and Labors of Few. Who go for me? Steve Osteen, one of my associates sitting on the platform over by the song leader. He's a man sitting over by me and I'm sitting there watching, and more she's saying, you can just feel God. I had about 300 people in it. You just feel God. Mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting up because I know something fixed to happen. I looked out there, Ms. Oakstein got a handkerchief over her mouth. This godly, gracious, a southern lady. I mean, just a gracious woman. 
she's got her handkerchief over her mouth, and I can see she she just she she's a, she, she's about to shout. Now I said, "Fix it, come on, Lou." Lord said, "Come on, Lou, let her go." And about that time, Steve jumped up and said on that platform and said, "Lord and God, I'll go." And Mama said, "Whoa!" And boy, I got on. <laughs> Some of the old folks started a heifer to shop. I lost two families on that. Yeah. And come back. <coughs> so I went out to see them after they had come back for a couple of Sundays. Mm. Went out to the first one and knocked on the door. This lady came to the door and said, right, well, we, We've been expecting you, Pastor. I said, okay. I said, Can I come in? Oh, yes. And we got sat down. I said, How, where, how, you got, how come you hadn't come back to church? <clears throat> Said Ms. Osage gave us half day. <laughs> I heard you did. Didn't bother me. She said, I never heard anything like that in my life. I never heard anybody shout like that. I mean, she got her handkerchief waving and shouting. <laughs> and she said, Y'all gonna turn into charismatic so much. I said, We'll scare charismatic to death. We're gonna turn into charismatic. I said, but John the Baptist was shouting at his mama's womb. Yeah. Before he was born. Go read the Bible. I was down in, I, let me get this. I'll tell you something else when I come back to it. I was down in lower Alabama preaching. And I, I walk in. Sometimes I'm just saying when I'm walking around and praise the Lord. And I just was happy that morning. Me and the preacher's down at a restaurant down there. I walked in. I'm, I'm saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. And this waitress, when I sat down, she said, you seem like you're happy. I said, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm a saved, born again, a Baptist preacher, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And she said, what? She said, I didn't know Baptists could get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you never, did you ever read your Bible? I said, the first person in the New Testament that we know of have been filled with the Holy Ghost was John the Baptist and his mother's womb. She said, I never heard that. But I said, yeah, when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we get filled properly with the Holy Ghost. We speak, we do not speak in tongues. We can, the Holy Spirit controls the one we have. This tongue speaking crowd uh, is a uh, of the devil. Amen. Amen. She said, I never heard that. I said, Well, you heard that? <laughs> well, she didn't walk through. She, she walked around softly around there. <laughs> but I told this woman, I said, You know, why didn't you come back? Why don't you come back? She said, We're not coming back. She said, I never heard anything like that in the Baptist church. I said, Well, let me just tell you something. Let me just tell you something. That woman was saved five years before I was. She wept and prayed and asked God to save me. And before I got saved at church down in Slidell, she got some women, five other women, and he said, my pastor said she would go to the altar with them women about once a week, one service, either Wednesday night or Sunday night or Sunday morning. They had an old wooden altar. They meeting in an old Methodist building. And they had them old wooden altars, you know, like them old Methodists have a mourner's bench. Yeah. And it'd uh, be good if you put one in there. It might help. <laughs> but I had a mourner's bench there. And uh, he said that, my pastor said, said, I've seen those women weeping over your soul. And I've seen those tears fall up on the altar. And drip on the floor. And I said, now her husband's saved, pastor of the church, her daughter's singing about Jesus, and her son says he'll go anywhere. I said, I think she had something to shout about. Probably reason you didn't shout. You didn't have something to shout about. But if you don't like what's going on there, find you another church. Good day. I did the other the same way. He said, you didn't ask him to come back? They said he won't come back. No use of trying to bring trouble in. I got a policy. 
If you get up and get mad and leave the church, I don't go after you. Yeah. I got other things to do than try to entice you to come back. If you want to come back, come on back. If you don't want to come back, go find someplace else. To, somebody else to arrest. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm not a good pastor. <laughs> I figure if I've talked to you for about two and a half, three years, and you just acting like a fool all the time, and you don't get right and won't walk with God, I feel like that, that I can't help you. Why don't you find another somebody other church to, before you can harass? Thank you, brother. Amen. <laughs> So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When one does not obey the word of God, they do not have a shield of faith. If there's any, if you know something God wants you to do and you're not obeying him, your shield is down. Boy, you're in trouble. Then the purpose of the shield of faith is to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, of the devil. Ephesians 6, 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, woman, ye shall be able to quench all the fire darts of the wicked. Is that what it says? This spiritual warfare can only be fought with spiritual weapons. That means no carnal weapons will work. We, uh, I had a friend in school. He was a, a year behind me. He was saved out of the hell's angels. And he was tough. This guy was a bruiser. He came to Bible college six months after he got saved. I called him the minister. And we was in the mail room one day and had a bunch of paper of our, was a tribute, the paper by, Madness by Fellowship paper. They had this roll of a newsprint there. Man, I can't believe it. some of y'all think? I am. <laughs> and, and, he, and, and, and this guy, this guy, Tom Solosi, he's always a prankster doing something crazy. And he, he, he said something to Jack Brown, was his name. He said something, Jack. I don't know what he said, but evidently it set Jack off. He just reached and got him and threw him up on top of one of those, uh, up on top of that thing, about that high on the ground. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, he was real repetitive, and, and he, he just, just it suddenly exploded. Well, they called him into the dean's office, called him in, you know, talked to him. And, 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 and well, Jack, he's just weeping. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I, I just, I said, I just lost him. So I said, and I want you to forgive me, Tom. And he said, I'm not going to forgive you. And I'm not going to forgive you. He said, he needs to be put out of the school. And the dean said, you're going to forgive him. I'm going to put you out of school. So he asked you to forgive him. The Bible says you're supposed to forgive him. And if you won't forgive him, and, and uh, don't let that bother you, and don't get bitter over it, we're going to dismiss you from school. And we're going to discipline Jack. We're going to do some things. But... If you don't get this right in this room, you go get your stuff and get out of this school. Well, he got right. <laughs> that guy was crazy anyway. He's always a prince. You know, I, I, you have your briefcase and you got your books and stuff in there and he'd walk on, on, on click them and it just fall down on the floor. <laughs> he did that to a couple of guys and he was looking at me and I said, now Tom, you do that and I'm going to kick in your shin. <laughs> I said, just don't bother me now. I'm not going to put up with that. He come over and next day, if he slipped up on me and did it, and I turned around and kicked him in the shin. <laughs> he's laying down on the floor just crying. And I mean, me, he's crying. I said, now the next time I'm going to kick you another shin. 
<laughs> and he said, uh, well, you're not right about this. I said, Tom, we've been trying to help you to not do this. And I said, I'm just trying to help you. I said, I may not have helped you in the right way, and I'll repent of it. But I said, if you ever do that again, I'm going to kick you in the chin. If I ever catch you doing it again with somebody else, I'm going to kick you in the chin for them. <laughs> you know, he never did do that again. Yeah. And I had no kind of that. But, uh, but. <laughs> I didn't. But it, it cured him. <laughs> the spiritual warfare is fought in your mind. Yes, sir. That's right. Amen. The mind is where you're defeated or where you are victorious. You ever sit down and start thinking of things wrong? All of a sudden you're thinking about things wrong? Don't realize it's like a few seconds, a few minutes back, and then you're just thinking about this? I sat down in the bank down with my one of my men. Well, we was going to New Orleans, but he's taking me to a real nice restaurant to eat down there. One of them Bernans has a real high-class restaurant. He won't take me down there. He won't talk to me in Walker. And uh, he said, I've got to go by the bank. And I said, you can just wait in the car. And I said, I'm going to wait in the car. I'm going to sit in that lobby out there because it was hot. It was about 98 degrees. And I got a nice cool lobby there. So I said, I'm going to go sit out there. And I'll just sit there and wait on it. I'm sitting there. It's nice and cool and everything. And all of a sudden, John, I realized I am figuring out how to rob this man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're like that. You've done some stuff that's crazy like that, too. Man. And I'm sitting there thinking, all of a sudden, I thought, my God. And I started praying and got it right with the Lord and everything else. And, and you know what that taught me? That taught me that in an unguarded moment, right. you can mess your mind I've never, I've never had that thought again about how to rob a <laughs> then my wife was married 57 and a half years. <laughs> and uh, what is this thing? Is divorce with us. We thought about murder a couple of times, but never divorce. <laughs> she was there one day, she's upset with me. She said, Fuck a kid. I said, That's bad, darling. You're out of fellowship with God. <laughs> she said, don't you talk to me like that. I said, honey, you need to get right with God. <laughs> and she said, you're a mess. I said, you love me? She said, yes, I love you. I said, well, I accept your apology. <laughs> she said, I haven't apologized. I said, but you will. <laughs> and she just walked over and threw all around and kissed me and said, yes, I will. <laughs> you know what the Bible says? A soft answer. The spiritual warfare involves the spirit world, which includes the devil, his demons, his kingdom, and includes the Godhead, the good angels, and the Word of God. Now I'm with the good angels, I'm with the Word of God. And I'm with the Godhead. Take your Bible and look at Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one. I'm going to show you something here that will help you, encourage you. And Lord, the more you study the Bible, the more you find some things that will encourage you. Now look at chapter one. Look in your Bible because some of y'all are not going to believe this, okay? Don't you notice in verse 13, chapter 1. Well, which of the angels said he at any time stood on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy foot to Are they? That's a reference back to the angels, right? Come on now. Amen. You are you, uh, English people, English flash. That's, that they is a reference back to angels. Is that right? Are they? Not all ministering spirit, watch it, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. You've got a ministering angel watching over you from the time you were born. It says, shall be heirs of salvation. 
Well, you got an angel. My wife said, I believe you wear out two angels every week. <laughs> I said, hey, I don't do anything crazy. She said, you don't know. She said, you're not looking at it like we look at it. She said, people going people eat you. She said, you say some things to them and preach to them. She said, you say some tough things. and said, one of these days somebody's going to shoot you. I said, not unless God tells them to. Can't do it without his permission. Amen. That's right. Take your Bible turn to Psalms 18.2. I want you to read that one. Wait, 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 wait for it to get me. Uh, brother, uh, Pastor, we'll turn to Psalms 91.4. Okay? And, uh, Brother... You turn to Proverbs 2 7. Proverbs, yeah, you. <coughs> Proverbs 2 7. Okay, now I want you to notice here. Now, don't, don't read anything, I'll tell you. Just hold them up. We're totally victorious through our Lord. Totally. Yes, sir. 1 Corinthians 15 to 57. Y'all don't need to go there. I'm just reading it to you. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we get the victory. First John 5 4 says, Whatsoever is born of God, it overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. First John 4 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Revelation 12, 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the, unto the death. The shield of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Read that. Psalms 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I believe you said buckler, didn't it? Okay. Remember that. Psalms 91.4, preacher. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Lord buckler. Remember that. Proverbs 2.7, brother. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He's a buckler to them who walk uprightly. Is that right? Amen. Okay, now he says that he's our buckler. He's our buckler. Now, he defines it. Where that buckler is. Remember, I said, if you have a fellowship with God, the shield's not up. Read that again, brother. Lay it up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So if you're not walking uprightly, you see your buckler. No. I didn't write the book. Amen. Now, he is our shield. Now, that word buckler means a war shield. A buckler was a shield that was a big fur shield. And they was, as they was fighting together, fighting out there, the Roman soldiers, they had where they could hook those shields <laughs> together and get down behind them and be totally protected. One shall put a thousand to flight, and two shall put ten thousand. You see, you're not in this battle alone. You've got the Lord. He's your buckler. You've got your friends that serve with you. He's got the buckler. And whenever the trouble comes, you don't split up and start pointing fingers at each other. You just hook your shields together yeah. and get down behind them. 
Pray, brother. Wait on God. Yes, sir. Let God work. Yes, sir. Amen. No, nothing shall get through. Remember last year when I came here, this was a grieving church. It's over its grief, basically, now. You've got a joy here. You know why? You settled in. Hooked your bucklers together. Praying for each other. Amen. Loving each other. Yes, sir. And now, now, you see what you are. Correct? Yes, sir. Amen. I'm not preaching to the lost here tonight. I'm preaching to the saints. You see, if the church will get right, things will start happening. I believe when this church started getting right after we had that meeting last year, people started getting saved, didn't they? Huh? See, I, I believe that the a man of my caliber, I'm a revivalist more than an evangelist, okay? I have several gifts. Number one, I'm a prophet. Now, when I say prophet, don't get uh, don't get shook up. I'm not a four. I'm not a foreteller. I'm a fourth teller. That's a prophet. I can come into church and start digging around. The next thing I know, I'm walking right down your wall. I don't even know what's going on. That's a prophet. I am an evangelist. I evangelize. I have people saved. That's what an evangelist, brother, uh, brother, uh, uh, Jeffrey says, he said, I, after caught him the other day, I don't name him right back, and it was Sunday evening, and I said, where you been? He said, I've been about out evangelizing. He calls, uh, he calls going out and witnessing evangelizing. That's, is that what y'all call it? Yeah. That's what the Frenchman calls it, evangelizing. That's what, that's what it, huh? Evangelizing? Why not? Destroying property. You talk about vandalizing. I said evangelizing. You didn't get the wax out of your ear, man. I know you're just kidding. But evangelizing means that you're out witnessing. You're a witness. I'm an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I have the gift of being a pastor. That's not one of my biggest gifts. But I have a pastoral gifts. And I am a teacher. That's one of my primary gifts. Being able to take this Bible and open it up and teach you where you can understand it. Yes, amen. Praise God. Now let me ask you a question. Is your shield up? Are you standing firm with others? With bucklers hooked? And hunkered down behind it? One shall put a thousand to fight. Two shall put ten thousand. What would a hundred do? What would ten do? See, the Bible says that You've got pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. They sent to perfect the saints. And where perfect that means to bring you to a place of maturity. And to then that mature saints do the work of the ministry. And they work together till they all come in the unity of the faith. And that phrase, the unity of the faith, is not talking about faith like believing. It's talking about what you believe, like your faith, your Baptist faith, your unity of your faith. You think the same way, think the same thing about your faith. And you're not fussing about it. One fellow over here says, well, I, I, I'm a universal church, and another fellow says that, uh, Paul, Paul, he's our man. Another says over here, said, uh, you know, if I, I can't do it, Ron can. And that's not all the Shut up! We come to a unity of the faith. And it becomes unity. That sweet spirit in the church. And when people come through the door, they meet God. I remember 
I was out in Slidell, and this went on for about three years. That church was so in, intense and so in fellowship with God. People were walking about. I saw people walking the back door.